Hey, welcome to episode 16 of Sharing the Magic, a show dedicated to all things Disney. Join us as we explore this magical world. Whether you're a diehard fan or a casual visitor, this podcast is for anyone who could use a little extra pixie dust. They say I'm practically perfect in every way, but I just go by Annie. And before we introduce our magical <laughs> guest, I'd like to introduce our amazing cast. First up, we have the Goofy Dupe himself, Jeff. Yeah, I'm I'm called the Goofy Dupe, and the reason is I'm a I'm an amateur emphasis on amateur, but I'm an amateur voice actor. So one of my biggest uh, heroes is Bill Farmer, who does Goofy. I just love the character of Goofy, and so when we have a special guest, I always like to do my Goofy voice and say welcome. So oh gosh, well it's nice that you're here, and boy, you're gonna have a great conversation. <laughs> yeah. So welcome. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Hannah's a lucky girl. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. It's just a little off today, but I, you know. Um... Oh, it's great. In <laughs> fact, when I was when I was first working at Disneyland, um, well, I Goofy used to hang out in front of uh, Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln, so mm. I have a fondness for Goofy. All right, we got a fellow. I, I tend fan. to be partial myself. So <laughs> next up, we have everyone's favorite Disney dad, Matt. How are you? I'm doing great. Really excited for tonight's episode. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So our guest today is a former 50-year employee of the Walt Disney Company. Being a show producer of one of the most iconic Epcot attractions, producing the Disney galleries, and managing Imagineering at Disneyland Paris are just a few of the ways she left her mark on the company we all know and love. Her curiosity led her down the path of this accidental career. Without further ado, everyone, Peggy Ferris. Yay. Hi, Peggy. How are you today? Well, thank you. Thanks for the introduction. <laughs> and truly, I mean, my career, nothing turned out the way I thought it would. Yeah. It turned out way better, <laughs> luckily. <laughs> As life does, right? It's so weird. It's so strange how, I think, I think that idea is so profound where, you know, we all have these, Mike Tyson said it. I don't know why I'm quoting Mike Tyson. But he said, everyone has a plan <laughs> to get punched in the face. And I don't know what it is about life, but I think there's so many times where we have all these, you know, we, we, we have these bullet points or this checklist of everything that we want for our lives. And, and I don't know what it is. It just for, I think for a lot of us, our, our stories are just so different. They, you know, I think if we could look back and say, you know, I thought my life was going to be this, 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 and it is just so different, but then I don't know about you all but i'm just so i'm so happy it didn't turn out the way that i wanted it to correct so peggy why don't you kind of walk us and the listeners through how you started this accidental career with disney okay well i grew up in anaheim and uh, my mother would take my brother and me out of school on my april birthday and we'd go to disneyland and uh i we always had a wonderful time. I have great memories of those birthdays with my brother and my mom. You know, so we went to the park about once a year when I was growing up. And then on summer evenings, my dad would um, help us climb up onto the roof of our house and we would watch the fireworks, the Disneyland fireworks on summer nights. And then he would tell us he'd been in the Navy um, in the Pacific. And so then he would teach us about the constellations and stars and planets and all of that stuff. So I have really warm memories of how Disneyland kind of factored into that. But the truth is, I never 
I never looked at the people who were working at Disneyland. Certainly the characters were engaging and, you know, but we were just so entranced by the attractions that I never, I never thought about the people being employees or cast members. Right. I never thought of it as a place to work. Anaheim was a lovely small town. My mom was a school teacher, elementary school. My dad was in real estate. We didn't we didn't travel except to maybe go on camping trips in the Sierras. So I I didn't expect my life to to take me to foreign countries. I didn't expect it to introduce me to remarkable people every day. Um, you know, I I was expecting a a nice life. Um, I graduated from from high school, from Anaheim High, and went off to be a counselor at the local Y camp. We went up up into the mountain, local mountains. I applied to one college, University of California at Santa Barbara, because it was so beautiful and a little far away, but not too far away. And when I got home in the middle of July, there was a rejection letter saying, sorry, but you're short. Um, you didn't take Spanish four. Oh, that science class, the physiology class you took, fascinating, but not accredited. Was it? Okay, I got it. Well, I got this is where I'm like, I'm really. So it was one credit, wasn't it? Just one credit? One class. So, you know, I don't know, like three credits or whatever. But now knowing what I know today, if if someone was telling me their story, I'd say, well, you know, you could appeal. You could maybe... But, but I didn't. I just thought, okay, well, I'll go to school locally and then I'll transfer to Santa Barbara um, for my junior year. And um, a really good friend of mine, a girl I'd grown up with, said, well, as long as you're going to be going to school locally, you could get a job. And she'd been working at Disneyland all summer in the parking lot. She said, it's really fun, but tell them you'd like to be in operations. I, again, I had no idea what she was talking about, but I I followed her recommendations and my interviewer, a fellow named Fritz Opel, handed me a script for Storybook Land. And so I read, welcome to Storybook Land, everyone. My name is Peggy and we're on board the Katrina. And the next thing I knew, I was wearing a little eyelet pinafore and sitting on a canal boat, taking guests through the mouth of Monstro the Whale. And I loved it. Now, I only worked Friday and Saturday nights, uh, eight to midnight. Every every college girl's dream, you know, <laughs> working on those weekends, um, noon to four on Sunday. And, I, but I really loved it. And, um, and then a couple of months into my Disney career, they said, oh, you need to go to the office. Your supervisor wants to talk to you. And uh, my first job, I'm, you know, pretty nervous. And I went into the office and this young supervisor, Rich Battaglia, handed me a stack of paychecks, which I had neglected to pick up. And he said, payroll would like you to cash these. <laughs> I thought, really? You get paid and you get to do this work. This is so much. So I had a great, I had a great uh, introduction. Um, a couple of months into that, 
I got called into the office again. And this time, Ron Dominguez said, who was uh, assistant director of operations, Ron said, well, you know, things seem to be working out and you like us and we like you. And there's some openings for permanent part time. And it meant a better schedule, a little bit more pay and um, and, you know, going into summer that would be coming up, you'd, you'd get, you know, nice, better shifts. And I said, well, you know, this, Ron, this sounds great, but, you know, I'm probably not going to be here that much longer. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll be transferring in a couple of years. And he said, well, that's, that's okay. Just now, 50 years later, Ron and I both had a giggle about that because he'd had the same conversation and then he'd stayed for decades and decades. So we both laughed about how, how you really can't see into the future. Then my supervisor, Rich Battaglia, uh, was going to ask me out, but he couldn't because I was in his area. So he arranged a transfer for me to the Matterhorn. Oh, wow. The Matterhorn, that's got to be like a dream come true, right? Or, or not really for you. What was that like? Many of the women, young women I was working with on Storybook Land would have given anything to transfer to a fast-paced co-ed attraction like the Matterhorn. I was really happy on Storybook Land, yeah. but I thought, well, let's see where this relationship goes. And in fact, he's the one I'm going to dinner with tonight. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> what a twist. That's a story <laughs> twist right there. <laughs> so I, um, so I, I fell, I, I was terrified of the Matterhorn to begin with because if you if you were on dispatch, for example, and you let a little you let a, a bobsled full of Cub Scouts go, and then you let the halfbacks who are here for the Rose Bowl go without delaying that that heavier sled, then eventually they they would they would enter um, do a little bumper cars <laughs> zone and all the all the brakes on the mountain for both sides would be triggered and then the attraction would stop and everyone would wait while a crew went up and released each I thought oh my gosh I I, don't want it. I could I could bring this whole mountain to a stop but <laughs> it, it you know you get over those worries and pretty soon I loved it and then we opened New Tomorrowland in 1967 and um, and then you know I do have a story about Again, things that don't work out the way you think, but yeah. the, the foreman of the Matterhorn, a fellow named Chuck Abbott, and Disneyland people from the 60s uh, and 70s probably, and the 50s maybe even, they know Chuck Abbott. He was just a remarkable guy and ran the Matterhorn like nobody's business. And so he said to me, you know, there's this program called Disneyland Ambassador, and I think you ought to look into it. And this was going into its third year. So um, Julie Reams had been the first ambassador and then Connie Lane, Connie Swanson Lane. And so I went over and they had an informational tea. Now this is only open to young single women. And it was the first year they'd opened it up to uh, a ride operators. It had been, I think, exclusively maybe tour guides up to that point. Yeah. Anyway, I, yeah. I, thought, well, this sounds interesting. You know, you're the official host for Disneyland. And you, so you greet visiting dignitaries and you visit children's hospitals and, and, you know, what a wonderful 
what a wonderful experience. So I, I applied and I um, went through a series of interviews and I ended up among the top five and they took us to the studio. This was 1966. Card Walker was the chief marketing officer at the time. And he interviewed each of us in his office. And he asked me about a film they were producing, Bedknobs and Broomsticks. And I thought, I didn't know you knew about films. <laughs> what do I know about this? It was a, I'm sure it was a totally incoherent answer. <laughs> I still don't have a good answer. Yeah. And, um, but then they took us to lunch in the Coral Room and Walt Disney was having lunch at a neighboring table. And I'd grown up watching Walt Disney on television every week. Week I, I felt like I knew Walt Disney. I mean, you know, there was Santa Claus, my grandfather, and Walt Disney. Those were like so surreal. <laughs> I love it. And there he was. Yeah. Had he been in good health? This was like November of 1966. So he wasn't with us that much longer. And I think had he had been in good health, we would have been introduced to him. But um, but as it was, at least, you know, I had a chance to see him. And then um, they chose uh, Marsha Minor, a really poised um, VIP hostess to be the, the ambassador that year. But I thought, you know, I got into the five with no preparation. So I thought, I'll give it another shot. So I took out my first loan. I borrowed $500 and enrolled in John Robert Powers Modeling School. So you could, I learned how to climb stairs gracefully, how to get in and out of a car, never wear pearls whiter than your teeth. I read the <laughs> annual report backwards and forwards. I, I knew who was leading every one of those ancillary activities. I learned what BMI and ASCAP meant. And I also discovered that once you start paying attention to things, you see them everywhere. There is a little note, a little notice in the paper about a film that Walt Disney Productions is beginning. And um, the company was looking at doing Mineral King at the time. So I'm diving into my supervisor's trash cans and retrieving memos and press releases that have crossed their desks. And so the year passed and yeah. I showed up for the interviews again. And every year they were changing it up a little bit. So this year there was a long table, I bet a dozen directors and vice presidents sitting on one side of the table and then the candidate's chair facing them. And I knew the answer to everything. <laughs> I love that because you're curious. And that's what just when you're like, when you're talking about the memos and I could just, your eyes are glancing, scanning <laughs> the things, that curiosity, I could, you know, I love how curiosity just pervades your story. That's just amazing. It's well, and it was probably the first time I sort of directed my own research. You know, up to that point, you're in a class and you're going to write a paper or you have something to study for. And so that's what you study. But in this case, you know, I found that you need to be resourceful. You need to be thinking about, well, where will I find more information about that? And then 
how do I, how do I absorb it? How do I retain it? How do I make it make sense to me? And it was, it was, it was a great experience because, and a big learning experience for me, just about what you, what you can accomplish when you have a, a desire to, to learn more. Yeah. And so I, uh, you know, I made it to the five again. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and this year, they chose a really polished, <laughs> very articulate <laughs> VIP hostess, Sasha Sherbert. And I, but, you know, I thought I gave this my best effort. So I'm happy with this. Mm-hmm. I didn't go out for it the following year um, because I just thought I'm not, I'm not what they're looking for. And that's okay with me. I I had a great experience. But it turns out that I guess I distinguished myself. And so in the spring of 1969, when they were preparing for the press conference in Florida that would announce what the first phase of Walt Disney World would be, and it would be opening in less than two years, they chose 10 of us. And so six of them were... VIP hostesses and tour guides. And three of us were from operations, attractions. And then one young woman was from foods. And they took us, you know, to prepare us for this event. We had material to read. They took us up to WED Enterprises and introduced us to Marty Sklar and John Hench and Blaine Gibson and, you know, so many of those foundational leaders of WED at the time. Um, we, we went into the model shop and there was a model of the 2,500 acres that would comprise the first phase, which would be the Magic Kingdom, the Contemporary Resort Hotel, the Polynesian Village, Fort Wilderness, Bay Lake, Seven Seas Lagoon, and the golf resorts. And and they lined us up in front of the model. It's one of my favorite pictures. Then they, and they showed us some of the attraction models that they were working on. There was a Western River expedition. Um, T. He had been working on a really wacky shooting gallery with a space theme. And so when you're I, and maybe it was using lasers or something, but when you hit a target, it would pop open and something else would jump out. We just, there was, I'd worked great moments with Mr. Lincoln at Disneyland. Oh. And then they showed us the Hall of Presidents um, attraction model. So we were really excited about what was coming. And then we flew to Florida on the Gulf Stream. Bill Evans was on the, on our flight as well. And when we arrived in Florida, we stayed at the Ramada Inn in Ocoee. And we were there about two weeks before the before the press conference. So during that time, we were able to tour the, the site and we could see they were moving four and a half million cubic yards of earth from the Seven Seas Lagoon and and you know, placing it where the Magic Kingdom would be and then digging the basements for the utilidors. Um, uh, you know, I mean, they'd recently lost a, a Jeep in the in the quicksand. And, the, <laughs> you know, it was I like- I know this. about that. Nobody told me about the, <laughs> the quicksand. <laughs> the water control channels and, um, 
uh, Bay Lake had been drained of water at that mm. point. So they're bringing all that beautiful white sand up to the shores. Bill Evans took us to the tree farm. And when he talked to you about a tree, you feel like you're meeting a member of his family because he's using its long Latin name and you're, you know, you're being introduced to these really important members of the family. And so I took a look around and thought, this is going to be such a monumental project a central energy plant, a wastewater treatment facility, uh, modularly constructed hotels, um, a magic kingdom that, so I wanna be there. And so we did the press conference um, with, the, with the press and really an international press. We did, um, and that involved doing the, the presentation that Marty Sklar had written and then Don Tatum and Roy Disney and Card Walker, all those guys were, were there speaking to the press. Then we um, boarded buses and took 10 buses out to the site. Each of us were delivering a narration that Marty had written. I had the governor of Florida on my, on my bus. And I said something about, you know, Bill had talked about, um, the redwood trees and how we had to be careful because Florida, uh, there could be freezes in Florida. And the governor grabbed my mic. There, any damage I'd done, <laughs> Lush, <laughs> be a inhospitable place to. <laughs> but anyway, I, it was a great experience. And um, the third day, we hosted the Florida legislature and. Uh, and then we flew back to California. Oh, well, we also had a wrap party. So there was a beautiful dinner just for those of us who had worked preparing for the press conference. And Roy Disney and his wife, Edna, were there. And I have really cute pictures of them dancing together. Oh, okay. um, John Curry, Dick Nunes, Sandy Quinn, uh, Mike Bagnell, I mean, there were just, you know, lots and lots of Disney executives and people who'd really worked hard to put on this presentation. Bob Allen, really one, we met such wonderful people. And then there was a, a kind of a picnic and barbecue on uh, at Bay Hill Country Club. And I have a picture of us sitting, there were three of us sitting at Roy Disney and Edna's feet while they're relaxing in their Adirondack chairs. And it, everybody just felt like it had gone really well and we'd gotten a great reception. And and now in two years, we will be open. So I went back to California and, and talked to everybody I could about wanting to be part of Walt Disney World. And, and eventually somebody said, you should go talk to John Curry. He's, um, he's the consummate hotelier, his family operated Yosemite, and uh, he has a lot of hotel contacts, but I don't think he has any Disney contacts. And so he hired me, and I was supervisor of guest activities. Um, so I spent the, I arrived in um, January of 1971 and started preparing for um, supervising guest activities, which would be guest information desks in the Contemporary Resort and the Polynesian Village and the Mouseketeer Clubhouses. 
What was that? Uh, what was that like? Because what a jump to me, <laughs> you know, what a jump from, from into that world. It seems like just a completely different world. Well, so my, my mother had been an elementary school teacher and I used to help her set up her classrooms. And, um, and when I was in school, I was, I, my degree was in English, but I took games and rhythms and children's lit. I also took Indic mythology, Indian lit, art of the North American Indian, geography of Southwest Asia, and Celtic mythology, which play into my story later on. But um, so so setting up the childcare facilities, buying the books, choosing the games and things, interviewing people to be part of my team who yeah. were comfortable working with young children, real essentially two to six years old. Florida had regulations that said that um, if you kept children longer than, I think, three or four hours, then you had to provide separate napping facilities and a hot meal. And, you know, that we that wasn't our plan. We said, this is a family resort. <laughs> you want to do it together, but maybe you maybe you want time to play a game of tennis. Right. So so that part of it was easy. I did go out and interview other child care facilities in the area. Again, that idea of, I don't know, but I'll find out. I have a very helpful phrase. I love that. <laughs> and then um, guest information. You know, we just had to collect information that would enable our hostesses to be able to direct people to dining options and recreation options. And where do you catch the monorail? what time's the parade, when are the fireworks, those kinds of things. So, you know, it was, yeah. um, and it was yeah. my first management position. So hiring people and, and now, so opening day, it's October 1st. And my, my team of, of young in those, in that case, everyone on my team, small group, but all young women. And one of them showed up and she'd forgotten her shoes. And so luckily we wore the same size and I gave her mine so she could go on stage. And that <laughs> meant I was stuck in my office. <laughs> we had offices over in the contemporary kind of Bayside North, I think, or South. I um, So <laughs> I had to stay in my office, patting around in my stocking feet, because <laughs> <laughs> you know, no time to go home. No. Um, but that worked out really well. And then, now here's another thing I learned: prepare. You there are things you can't prepare for. The great thing about Roy Disney's involvement, first of all, just greenlighting his brother's dream and saying, "Yes, we're going to go ahead with with Walt's dream. We can do it." And believing that we could and doing it on this scale without Walt Disney, I'm sure there must have been many sleepless nights for everybody, but they they delivered in such a beautiful way. And, you know, Walt was so curious as we were talking about the importance of curiosity, yes, yes, yes. so curious and so interested in innovation. Yeah. And so it's not surprising that we had 42 miles of water control channels to to manage the water levels or a wastewater treatment plant and a tree farm and a central energy plant 
um, and monorails that would yeah. take guests from the contemporary to the ticket and transportation center around to the Polynesian and the Magic Kingdom and the AVAC system and the modularly constructed hotels. Oh, yeah. A joint venture with U.S. Steel. So I don't, you know, I was so junior. I had no idea what any of the backroom discussions were. But Roy Disney bought U.S. Steel out of the joint venture. And so what had been the Walt Disney World Hotel Company became the hotel division under the umbrella of WorldCo. And so that triggered some reorganizations, including the fact that my recreation or that my um, hostess is sitting at a guest information desk in the lobby. That became redundant to recreation also having a desk in the lobby. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. our teams were consolidated mm -hmm. and that worked great, except I know nothing about beaches and pools and lifeguards. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a bridge far. <laughs> yeah. So one day my name did not appear on the schedule and they said, mm, you should probably go talk to Bob Matheson. Uh -huh. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> and Bob, who was uh, vice president of operations said, well, Peggy, you know, we have all the, and I'd known Bob Matheson uh, when he was director of operations at Disneyland and he'd been head of operations when they selected the 10 of us to go to Florida. So, but Bob said, you know, you're we're sending you to marketing and you're going to be part of convention sales yeah so this is only like less than a year yeah. um since i've arrived in florida and it wasn't what i'd planned to do but <laughs> i mean that's the theme of your life what i'm getting it's, it's, it's like <laughs> at this point were you surprised or were you surprised or were you just thinking yep yeah, this is what happens well, you I know, didn't I'm always having to happened. learn something new. <laughs> it I didn't know this was what happened. And and it turns out this happens all the time <laughs> uh, in my career. This would happen over and over again. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Walt Disney World, it was still such an exciting adventure. And the idea of, well, I don't know anything about conventions, but they were more than happy to bring me in as a coordinator and hand me the program sheets that would say, go downstairs to the second floor and start looking at those conference rooms. And this one should be set up theater style for 50. And this one will be theater style for a thousand and there'll be a coffee <laughs> break at 10. And, and so, you know, I, I, and then people change their minds. Oh, you know, I said theater, but could we bring in some chairs? And I think we're going to have 50 more people for lunch. Yeah. And so, so you learn, you know, to be flexible. Yes. And, and then pretty soon I, yep. I was able to, um, you know, I knew how to put, I knew how meetings came together. So then I could start planning future conferences and, and, um, and traveling. So it's 1971 Disneyland had opened, as you guys know, in 1955. So everybody's really familiar with Disneyland, the idea of a theme park. But they, they're they still really thinking that Walt Disney World is just like maybe a bigger Disneyland. And we wanted to attract 
some of the really high-end conventions, the people who do incentive travel, the groups that would otherwise go to Greenbrier, we would go to them and say, you know, we know you go to Greenbrier, but, you know, we have some championship golf courses. We have water recreation. We have beautiful hotels. They're $22 a night <laughs> for a family of four. <laughs> I wish. I wish. <laughs> I'd be in one right now. <laughs> I am born in the wrong era. <laughs> and, uh, and you can bring your families and it'll yeah. be great. Yeah. And so we got to travel to this. So this is kind of my first time traveling. We went to we went to New York and Philadelphia and Chicago and San Francisco and represented Walt Disney World as a destination vacation and meeting location. And so for about five years, I I had the opportunity to travel and meet meeting planners and and had such a delight showing people particularly the ones who weren't, who were expecting. I remember talking to this one um, wonderful gentleman uh, about his conference and he said, well, I'm, I'm right across the street. You know, I, I said, I could, I could come pick you up and he, oh, well, I'm right across the street. Well, he was seven miles away <laughs> down the North South road. <laughs> So by the time he got to my office, he was a little chastened. And then I put, we went up to the monorail and we did kind of a tour of Walt Disney World. And, and, and then we had such a great time planning his conference. And then he was able to bring his family. And uh, so I got to meet his in-laws and his three kids and his wife. And I got Christmas cards from them for years. It was really, really That's wonderful. Awesome. That's awesome things change. So I've been there five and a half years. And by this point, I was thinking, you know, this was a great experience. And I love it. But my little brother is growing up on the back in California, and I'm just a voice on the telephone. And that supervisor, Rich, he's moved back to California, too. And so one day, so I had been putting out feelers. I was thinking maybe Magic Kingdom Club or something. And and one and then I bumped into Marty Scalar down uh in the lobby of the Contemporary. And I and Marty, I'd met Marty and spent time getting to know him at the press conference in 69 and I would run into him periodically when he and and John Hench and others would come to on business to Florida. And yeah. so we're catching up and I said, well, you know, this has been great. Yeah. I've been here five and a half years. And so I just celebrate, celebrated my 10th anniversary with the company um, last year. Uh, but now I'm kind of looking for what there might be back in California. And Marty said, well, you know, we're starting to plan Epcot. And I want to kick it off with a series of conferences on topics that will comprise the future world pavilions and you know how to plan a meeting and you know Walt Disney World and you know Disney so why don't you be that person and so I said yes <laughs> that's awesome which is also a theme you know I've been talking to some of the uh, women who contributed to our book women of Walt Disney Imagineering yeah. and 
we look back over our careers and we all agree that one of the keys to what's made our careers so interesting and so varied is that when opportunities came our way, we said yes. And, you know, even when you don't really know what you're getting into, if you're really committed to doing your best and figuring it out, then amazing things happen. Yeah. I love that's my favorite part when you talk about things like that, because I've I've watched your keynote speech. I thought that was just wonderful because you talk about curiosity and and I'm a big fan of curiosity. I call it childlike wonder sometimes. And when I have my book collection is probably not as it's not as good as yours, but it's I got a book collection myself. And but it's because I I just I, I want to know things I need. I need to know. And it's the world is such a, a wondrous place. And I just. All the things my, you know, I've, I had to narrow down my hobbies and it was because I had all these different hobbies and it was like, well, there's so much cool things to learn and to know. And, and I had to kind of say, well, I can't do them all, Jeff. So let's, let's whittle it down. But when I think of your story in your life, I see somebody who's just deeply curious, even now, just looking at all your books in the background. It's like, <laughs> and I yeah. love that, but, but <laughs> there's a vulnerability to curiosity, curiosity, right? So, so, you know, you could be curious, but there's a lot of people that are curious, but they, they, to me, it seems as if they don't, there's, there's fear to that. Cause I can be curious and I could explore that. What you said, I could, I could just say yes, but that takes vulnerability. That takes and not everybody wants to do that. A lot of people are curious, but they they're shielded, they're guarded, and you know. I think the one of the joys that I've experienced is that when your curiosity leads you to explore things and and topics, and then you realize the reference material you're reading was written by somebody who was also curious and passionate. And they are, in so many instances, really delighted to share with you what they know. I mean, I will just, you know, we're probably going to run out of time. So we'll end on this. We'll end right here. (laughs) It's a wonderful place to end. Yeah, We'll have to have you back on so we can talk about uh, (laughs) that you did. What a nice bow. Well, thank you. This this has really been fun and I will talk to you guys anytime. Yes. Have a wonderful night. Yes. Have a great dinner. Um, I look forward to talking with you all again. We would know, love to have you back. This part is, two. This oh, is, yes. and... It was just wonderful. Thank you so much. Okay. Well, right. thank you again. Enjoy your Enjoy dinner. Enjoy your dinner. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, so much. Thank you for coming on. <laughs> have a good one, Peggy. Bye, Peggy. Bye. Thank nice you. Nice to meet you. Very nice to meet you. Thank you, Annie, Matt, Jeff. Yes. <laughs> Good night. Hi. We want to thank Peggy Ferris again for joining us on today's episode. You can check out more of Peggy's story in the Woman of Walt Disney Imagineering book. We want to thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Sharing the Magic. As always, please hit that follow button to stay up to date on the latest episodes and tell your friends to tune in wherever they listen to awesome podcasts like this one. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Sharing the Magic Pod. Until next time, keep sharing the magic. Thank you.